the dad business. And here is your host, Nigel T. Best. Hi everyone and welcome to the dad business with me, Nigel T. Best. I'm here with someone who has been through the mill in some respects, uh, had an awful lot of experience and um, been employed, been in, in the corporate world, um, but has now taken the plunge and is going full tilt for a really interesting way of running a business, but is also a dad. I mean, you know, it's the dad business. You need two qualifications on this, be a dad and be in business. Um, so here he is. Let me introduce you, Mr. Stephen Wallace. Hi, Nigel. Yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, thank you. And so, um, one of the things that um, we like to do on the dad business is ask a series of questions. Um, and I hope you're all right with it. Is there anything off limits? Um, I, didn't, I didn't ask you this before. I, it's I all right. Around, I'll, I'll tell you if you ask it. Yeah, just what with a look yeah, yeah. or a kick under the <laughs> yeah, table or something yeah. like that. Okay. Um, so, for those of you that don't know you, how would you describe yourself? Uh, yeah, so um, well, founder and spend most of my time on my new business, which is Gorilla Investors, um, which you can find at Gorilla, not the hairy monkey uh, version. Oh Gorilla. right, spell it. Yeah, G U E Investors dot com. There you go. What's all that about? Yeah, so it's alternative financial education for people who weren't taught risk analysis and and that financial education at school. So helps to move people from. Uh, retail to sophisticated investors and yeah it's a one-stop shop for all things alternative investment related okay and you're a dad of yeah so uh so bethany is five uh six in january so six soon she's year one at school and dylan's just turned three okay and sum up in one word what it's like having kids busy (laughs) <laughs> I always say it's busy, not stressful. It's That's busy, not say. stressful. Yeah. yeah, no, I like that. I like that. I've not had that uh, before, so that, that's a that's a good one. Okay, um, I'm going to go back then and say, okay, you've got a dad. Your dad's still with us, which is fantastic. Tell me a bit about your dad. Yeah, so my dad, um, I always say when I was younger, I just wanted his job. Um, and I kind of went down that route with my placement years. So he, so he was a, a wine buyer. A um, wine buyer. Wine buyer. Right, hang on. How old were you? Well, what, when I decided I wanted his yeah. job? I think about 18. Yeah. Oh, right. I was yeah. thinking you were going to say eight. And no, you were no. already having a, a swift Chardonnay or no, something. Although, although going to the Grand Prix and stuff on a on a freebie was in my teens was, yeah, I want his job. All now. right. This is, this oh, is Bridges, a nice yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, I went to the Grand Prix a couple of times, Paddock Club and all that. Yeah, because he, his... Um, uh, the company he worked for was providing the champers, you know, like went with Lanson and Mum, I think, before Moe or ever took it on. But anyway, yeah, he was a wine buyer. So we, um, when I grew up in, in Hertfordshire, he was at Marks and Spencer's on Baker Street. Um, I think he started out frozen chickens, I think it was, and then he got into the wine department. Um, and then when I was about 10, we moved to the Midlands uh, and he moved to what was then Augustus Barnet, um, became part of Bass Brewers, which is now Coors, you know, it's changed a bit. Um, yeah, and he was wines and spirits purchasing manager. How much was he around during the day? What yeah. was his working pattern? Yeah, so I, we always remember me and my sister remember going to B and Q car park to pick him up in Hitchin um, when he'd get the train back from work when before te- before I was ten basically. So mum would take us down in the car to go pick him up from the station. Um, he took me to all my football matches. This is the thing I remember: he used to fifty p a goal, five pound a header. You know. Um, so he's this same, is this is if you got yeah when I was younger yeah yeah, yeah yeah and and then when we moved to the Midlands yeah I remember him being home for tea normally um, but he retired in two thousand 
So this is the thing that me and him always talk about now is that he didn't come into this whole new world of take your laptop home, here's your mobile phone, um, and we're going to call you anytime. You know. So he was he when he was at work. He was at work. Yeah. And when he wasn't, exactly. It. Exactly. Okay, because it's one of these things that you you look back and uh, you're going to get influenced by people, and obviously those in your family probably spend a lot of time with you or don't spend a lot of time with you and that can influence you one way or the other. So from that, have you always had in your mind, um, okay, when I'm at work, I'm at work, but then I shouldn't be? Um, yeah, I, I think I'd say it's always been in my head. I, I'd never, well, I think my phrase is, I'm pretty sure I wasn't put on this planet to line someone else's pocket. Um, that's okay. always my phrase. For it. And I think that when you're in a job, that's pretty much what you're doing. Um, you work in whatever hours they tell you, doing whatever job they tell you. Um, but you only, you're only getting a salary, you know, you're not getting an equity share or anything like that. Um, so, so, so why did you then get a job? Why did I get a job? Because I assume your first thing, you went into a job. Yeah, definitely. So did a business course at university and then went into the corporate world, basically. Um, so I got a job because this is what we were all told to do, wasn't it? You know, you go, you get your student loan, you hope to pay that off. Um, and then you get a job to hopefully afford a mortgage, um, and then get a car that you can hopefully afford and basically just rack up bills that you then need the job to pay for. There we go. So going back to your dad, if he retired in 2000, I'm guessing he did you know, a little bit more than that and did all right. Uh, not, mm, not really. So I, I would say a lot of what I've learned and my sister have learned about financial management is because our parents are not very good at it. Ah. Uh. Okay, so this is an example of seeing what didn't quite work and thinking, right, I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to do something different. Yeah, basically. So my sister is like, she's even more frugal than me. I, I like to think I'm, well, I always call it smart with money. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm frugal, I'm just smart with money. Um, but my sister, my sister's really, she's really good as well. Never, you know, overspends or anything. Um, lives within her means, which are quite modest in Tamworth in the Midlands. Um, but yeah, like my, so my dad, he was 54 when he retired. We were still both at university. It's not too smart. You know, you've got to still fund your kids through university. Well, um, that was your expectation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it did actually, it did stop a bit. I think my mum, you know, it was on a diocese salary of probably only about 10 grand a year. She ended up giving us money every month that she probably couldn't afford. But um, yeah, but anyway, so he, yeah, he finished at 54 in 2000. He actually did do some work for another few years, did some sort of headhunting for some guys in London. Um, so he did do a bit more, but he's been proper, proper retired for at least the last sort of 12 to 15 years. Okay, and is that something that you want to replicate, that retire early? Uh, so he can only do it because of a defined, penif- uh, divine, defined benefit pension scheme. So, uh, okay. so he still gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. so th- these things I don't really understand because you've worked for a company, you've left a company, yet they're still paying you for another 20 years. Yeah, it, uh, and the rest. And the rest, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Okay, um, going back to uh, your dad, did, um, did he have any phrases that he used to repeat? Quite a few, yeah. Well, no, the, well, the, probably not the phrase. So me and my sister still chuckle that he would find us in any shop, you know. So back in the day when you didn't have a phone and you were out with your family, you would either lose them or they would yeah, have yeah. a way of getting Oh, them yeah, yeah. So the whistle, days. the whistle yeah. in Woolworth, yeah. yeah. And, and you just hear that from somewhere and you go, all right, we've got to head over there, we're going. Yeah. So um, that's how he found you? As I, yeah, he'd just whistle and me and my sister just find, <laughs> find my parents. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a, a, a lead around your neck? 
No, 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 not, quite, no, no not quite that. No. You weren't that well trained. No, I got lost in hitching once. I remember. Yeah, uh, deliberately. Uh, I don't think so. I think I was trying to buy a transformer or something in a second-hand store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say then that your dad? Um, is there anything that your dad did or didn't do that has influenced you? Oh yeah, lots. So well, I mean, yeah, of course he has. So he was. Well, kid, we always felt like we came first, me and my sister, I think. This was a big thing. Like, he, he didn't like football, but he used to take me to all, all my matches. He used to take me down the villa when he didn't probably really want to go. Um, yeah, he Well, really, I mean, not many people want to go to probably see us not. Villa, well, I was, really? In the 90s, we were great. You ate for a cup every year. We used to go to all those. Yeah, when saw him at Wembley, saw him win at <laughs> Wembley on, twice. Hang on, your glory days. I saw was, him beat Leeds 3-0. Oh, right. Saw him beat Leeds Not at Wembley. Yeah, we were In the League Cup. Yeah, I, yeah. I, was there as, I was there as Sabo, well. Sabo, 20-yarder. Yeah. Oh, that, that was 3-0 after about 20 minutes, I yeah. think, on the... Yeah. It was a disaster. Do you know, that day was a fantastic day, actually. I remember um, walking down Wembley Way. It was a great atmosphere. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, everything was brilliant until the referee blew the whistle to start the match, and then it was just a big in disaster. Was that? Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. That's all right. We've been anyway, United. So that's the end of the. Oh no! Right. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, other influences. No, but other influences. So um, so I think I think especially with the stuff that I've tried to do now, and you know the fact that my dad, he can't always understand why I quit jobs without ones to go to, and why I kind of want to do stuff that's different to most other people. He does, he doesn't entirely get it. But he supports it. And like my mum gets worried and scared and my dad's pretty much always like, I reckon you can do it. And that's about it. And that's pretty much all he has to say. Okay, and do you think that's a product of the kind of the time and the environment that it was always the job for life and be sensible and um, only move if you've got something else lined up? Yeah, so when he was doing the recruitment stuff in London, so I, my aim when I was younger, because I could kind of see how you could climb the corporate ladder fairly quickly if you would basically go somewhere do really well learn a lot and then leave and take that somewhere else because that was the only time you got the pay right pay rise I'm as with well. you yeah. yeah so so I did that pretty much my whole time when I was working I don't I think the longest I ever did any one job was two and a half years um and I normally moved company um but if I wasn't moving company I'd have to be in jumping up to a pretty you know a much nicer job or I'd leave right okay and so you whilst your dad had kind of might not have understood it he had the the faith to just say I mean, it's amazing. They don't have to say much. He saw it worked. That yeah. was it. So normally, I but, but, but sometimes they don't have to say much. So I think whatever it is, I, I might not understand it. Is is kind of what they're saying, but I, I think you can make it work. Yeah, that's it. And that's all you need sometimes, yeah. isn't it? In a, in a nutshell, definitely like that. That is literally it. Um, yeah, I've, I've done quite a few different various things. I'm a qualified football coach and stuff as well, and I. I I always wanted to actually do that full time, and then I worked out that you couldn't earn enough over here, and I didn't want to live in America where you can earn all right. Um, but all the time, yeah, he just you know, if I needed to go somewhere, he'd take me. If I needed um, help with something, he'd help me. And yeah, I, I think that's just it. Is like just just well, just be there. And unfortunately, the challenge nowadays is people are working sixty, seventy hour weeks, and you can't always be there. And so, from that, the lesson for you now with your kids is what. Uh, be their biggest influence. So not school, not nursery, not grandparents, me and my wife. We've, so you, we've got shared, like the, the main thing, we're a really good team, I think, shared values, the really important stuff, we're totally aligned on it, so we want that to be the influence for the kids. So you're going for the total child brainwashing? Yeah, routine. pretty much. Yeah. Apparently it's up to the age of seven, <laughs> isn't it? By the age of seven, they've pretty much decided who they're going to be, so you've got until then. Right, there you go. Well, I've missed it with my three. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't rewind. Yeah. I'll trade him in. I'll get yeah, some different yeah, ones that. or something like that. Um, okay, so 
from from there then the lessons that you learned from your dad which which would you say are the ones that you're trying to pass on um so well just be a massive supporter of your kids whatever they want to do just be their biggest fan basically be their biggest fan answer their questions help them out if they need it but also just let them get on with it um because they'll only work it out by doing anyway yeah the old thing of uh, don't touch that it's hot almost says well i need to touch it to understand what hot is so when they touch it and they burn the fingers and you go, well, I told you it was hot. The kid sort of looks at you and goes, I know you did, but I still needed to find it out myself. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's, it's the key really, you know, especially when, you know, I think um, governments or, you know, whoever thinks that they can mollycoddle kids and they can just wrap them up and it's actually, no, 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 you just got to let them go and work it out. Do you think that, uh, hey, I'm going to throw a big one in here. Um, do you think that's led to people being dependent on other people, giving them permission? Um, the sense of entitlement or permission-based society? Could be permission-based or people just being, probably people being overly cautious as well. Like, you know, not but we're, to, we're told to be, aren't we? Uh, so risk, if you don't mind me just bringing up this word, I hate the word risk. It sounds too negative. It's just actually a deviation from the expected outcome. That's pretty much the, okay. the definition. Yeah. So it's just something different, you know. Um, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm risk averse or whatever. Actually, I stood up at um, a social thing in Malta once, and you know, uh, I was reeling off all the adventure junkie sports that I did when I was in my twenties. And they're like, "But you're the chief risk officer." I was like, "How can you understand risk if you've never taken any?" There you go. I like uh, it. Like that is come on in a nutshell. So same with kids. Like same with anyone. How are you going to understand it if you've never? Had, like you know pursued it looked into it whatever you're just basing it on what other people tell you or what someone thinks or what you might think but might not be true um you gotta go and find out i like it okay so your kids um three and five nearly six um and you have decided to say right okay enough of the corporate life enough of being employed um although that you've had some great times there and what have you thought Okay, this is. I need to do something for myself. What, what was it? Was there a trigger? Was there something that said I want to go into business for myself? Um, so I always knew I wanted to actually spend time with my kids. So I used to have chats with my dad, with my dad a lot about um, senior management roles. So I became I was a chief risk officer when I was thirty five. So I was on you know, senior management of a bank in Malta. But I always used to say to him, I've got no intention of ever being a CEO of a big company because I know what it involves. So I see all these CEOs around to travel everywhere at weekends, always on the phone in the evening. Um, they see their kids, but they don't spend much time with them. And I was like, no, no, that's not what I want to do. Um, the football coaching stuff I got, I, I got, got my second qualification when I was 21. I just loved it. Absolutely loved working with kids. Um, anything from five up to 17, pretty much for, for about 10 years. I was doing quite a lot of work with um, kids coaching. And I just, I just loved it. I just love spending time with kids. Like, it's, it's just so much fun. Um, so why would I want to be outside? Mind you, hang on, hang on. I was going to say, right, I've, I've got to throw in because at that point you're dealing with other people's kids who go home with their parents and you can just, like, forget it. That's right. So you, you get the fun bit, yep. which is when they're excited. And they want to be there. They want to be there. They want to play football or whatever. You get that. Is reality of having kids 24-7 any different? Yeah, so they ask you questions constantly. So when, when Why? You, well, so no, no, but worse than that, like, <laughs> so trying to get out the door this morning and I had to tell Bethany that she couldn't speak until we got out the door um, because I knew we'd be like, if she just kept asking another question. Um, it might be because I've just been away for four days over the weekend. But um, 
yeah they're quite relentless you know and dylan so dylan like loves trains he's absolutely obsessed so if ever i come downstairs from my office i work upstairs if i come downstairs or i come in the door daddy you play trains and that that is it and then i'm playing trains for the next half an hour yeah um so the struggle the struggle with work the work and family is if you work from home there is zero downtime like my downtime is five seconds walking downstairs whereas when you got a job you got like maybe a 20 30 hour commute whatever and you can really chill out and you can do what you want to do um if you're working from home and trying to run a business with young kids you get very little time yeah i mean that that's interesting because one of the things that i find is um i one of the places where i work um one of the businesses it will take me about 50 minutes to get home right and what i find is i'm really enthusiastic and, and can't wait to get home for maybe 20 25 minutes and beyond that i then find myself i don't know falling into being tired and had enough so when I come in the door, if the commute had been 25 minutes, mm. it'd be like, right, come on, let's do stuff. That extra 25, I get there and it's, I find it harder to motivate myself. So mm-hmm. you've got five seconds, yeah. which is probably not enough. Yeah. I've got 50 minutes sometimes, which is probably too yeah. much. Here's a top tip for everyone listening. Have a commute that's 25 minutes away from your business. Or, or <laughs> if you work from home, as you down tools, go for a walk. That's yeah. what I normally do. I, I just go for a walk around our town, twenty minutes, half an hour, and I just say to my wife, "I'm like back in half an hour," and yeah. I know, it, I know it will be half an hour, you know. And then I'm back in the door, refreshed, ready to play with the kids. Perfect. Okay, so the decision to go into your own business, then leave corporate life. Was there a a, a, a point you you kind of wanted to do it? Was it when you had kids? Uh, so I actually quit the job at Elevon uh, and went on paternity leave with Bethany. Um, so that apparently that's not what you do. You don't quit a job just as you have your first kid. Right. Um, but I did it. But I did know I had this other one to go to. Um, so this the job that I've... So since Bethany's been born, I've worked from home. So I've worked from home for about the last six years. Um, and I wanted to work from home so I could see her during lunch breaks. And same with Dylan. See him during lunch breaks make sure I didn't have a commute. I had to travel quite a bit, but I knew that when I was home, I was around. Um, so now I take Bethany swimming every Thursday at, th- at four, you know, pick her up from school at three. I have every Wednesday with Dylan uh, in the morning, um, take Bethany to rainbows every Wednesday. Um, and I try and get a bit of time to myself on a Friday. So I, I just value my time too much. This is the thing in corporate, the corporate world takes too many hours. It takes too many hours out of you. 50, call it 50 hour week, maybe working average, stick on an extra hour each way commute. You know, no, no, no. It doesn't leave much, does it? It doesn't leave enough. I, I value my time too much. And I think, well, uh, you're obviously the same as me, the same as a lot of people. They start a business because they want to have, um, A, something that they're in control of. Maybe you go down the Michael Gerber's e-myth where you think, I'm not working for this idiot, and then start your own thing and realize you're working for a complete lunatic, which is yourself. Um, and then um, you think to yourself, right, because this would be perfect because I can then spend time with the kids. Mm. And what a lot of people find is that, that that balance is very difficult, it's very challenging because when it's your business, depending on what your business is, the buck often stops with you. Mm-hmm. There's no one else. Yeah, you can't right. go anywhere else. Uh, if it needs doing, it needs you and you're the only one. And so you have to down tools often wherever you are. So you've kind of try to get a business where there is less chance of you being called away because you're going down the route of, of more of the armchair investor yeah. type thing and you're almost converting your 
interest and your passion into the business. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I love all things alternative. So from music to film to, to finance, really. But alternative finance, I, I just find it fascinating. It's always evolving because of um, the way the world's going. And, yeah, I'm, I'm a non-exec of a fintech company, a financial technology company. Um, and I think that there, it comes back to how much do you need as well. So we're fairly frugal. Actually, in one of my guides, I show our budget. Um, I show how much it is a month. It's not a lot. Um, it's part of the reason why we moved north from being in Hertfordshire was to take the pressure off um, the requirement for how much money we need to bring in a month. Um, yeah, so we have now, our aim has been, and pretty much it's been since, um, I think since Dylan was born, is how can we generate enough money a month without having to give up that much time? That is it, really. And that is what I'm literally doing on a daily basis, is trying to find things that create income without the need for a huge amount of time and investment. Perfect. I mean, it, it's, it's the biggest thing. Um, and I know when people... Uh, they will say that uh, uh, poor people will spend time to save money. Rich people will spend money to save time. Yep. And I think the the the, the most obvious thing about that is you don't necessarily have to be that rich to spend a little bit of time, a little bit of money to save an awful lot of time. Yeah, I've got my subscriptions. They they cost me. I've hardly got any free subscriptions. I've got ones that cost me money because then I make sure I get something out of it. Yeah, and and that's the age old thing of. Um, I guess when you're a business owner, you've got to be taking action. Hmm. When you're an employee, you can shut the door, and forget about it, you and then come for, back the following day. You could coach for a year in a lot of jobs, you know, or or there's loads of seasonality. I've got a mate who's a marketing manager. We were asking, we're like, you know, what's your week going to be like? He's like, well, kind of the marketing budget spent for the year, so I haven't really got much to do until January. I was thinking, bloody hell. Like, so what are you doing while you're at work? You better be building up some other stuff or researching something else to, to create other income streams because otherwise, like, you know, what, what are you doing with your eight hours a day? Do you think that's the difference between the mind of someone who's ingrained in being an employee and the mind of someone who's ingrained in trying to create something and create something new or always learn? I think so. And I think it's um, pe- people are very naive. So when people tell me they're risk averse and I say, so what sources of income have you got? Well, I've got my job. All right. What else? I've got my job. Okay. So what happens if they make you redundant? Uh, well, no, I'll just go and get another job. All right, what happens if your industry gets made redundant or your whole career gets made redundant? So what is it, accountants and lawyers, it's 99% probability it will get automated, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so what are you going to do if you're an accountant and a lawyer at the moment? Are you just going to kind of bury your head or are you going to look into other income streams such that it won't be that big a deal if you have to leave that job? Well, I mean, you're into uh, crypto now as well as one of the uh, uh, alternative investments in the blockchain there for accounting and certainly um say conveyancing on buying a house yeah no, you know no this, this could be just done in a nanosecond proof of who owns what title swapped yep deal done and you don't even have to give up any of your personal details no. it's just a proof of uh, what's it called again proof of uh, i can't remember what it's called but proof of something where it just says oh yeah what you said is right yeah and it goes back to oh yeah what he said is right yeah and therefore, if and both, therefore are, right, if both are right, the thing, the thing happens, transaction happens. I mean, it's fascinating the way that this is going. And certainly, um, here's a question for you. How many books or sort of 
things do you do that help educate you? So, You're reading around and yeah. anything like that. Things that you are trying to absorb, gain knowledge. Mm-hmm. How much time do you spend on that? So I reckon I read for four or five hours a day. Um, it's not that I'm trying to model myself on Warren Buffett, but apparently he does the same. Um, but I, I think I put my reading list on my website, and I think there's 44 on there from the last year. Um, and I used to read quite a lot of different stuff, and now I'm just really focused on what I read. I'll only read something if I can see what I'll probably get out of it um, and stick it on, you know, get it on Audible, stick it on one and a half speed minimum. Uh, and on those 20 minute walks and whatever else and going for a walk at lunch breaks you can get through them really quick yeah you can uh, I mean I know people binge watch Netflix and whatever um, I think when you talk to uh, business owners um, they tend to do that for knowledge yeah 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 and I think it's um, it's some of this stuff like why on earth are people not taught this at school you know find stuff you're interested in and go and devour content go and devour it because if you can find something you really enjoy and you're really good at it, you can probably monetize it. Um, and I think there's some some smart people who are trying to, I think Paul O'Mahony's trying to do it, isn't he? Trying to get kids financially free before they leave school. Yeah, he's got a, um, hi Paul, um, he's got one, uh, financial freedom. Yeah, um, yeah, financial freedom, that's financial, it. Financial, yeah. yeah. So the fun and financial. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's doing this education. So whilst you're doing it for, for adults, mm-hmm. people that missed it at school, um, other people are doing it for people at school but here it comes down to your kids what's your attitude then to them and learning yeah so what's what's your opinion of the current education setup and how the I was very much a product of you go to school you do this given my age away uh, O levels A levels degree career retire die yeah <laughs> So probably is, well, kids could still do that. It's just not a very good route. So I'm not a big fan of Ofsted for a start. Um, I know teachers, I know good ones who've worked in schools that are apparently not very good. Um, I bet those kids are getting a good education there. Um, When I was at school, it wasn't all about, yeah, it wasn't all about what what grade you got. I'm one of these people who didn't do brilliantly. I did okay. I just didn't do great. I was more interested in playing football and what have you. Um, but for our kids, so one of the things we're going to do um, is we're definitely taking them out for a year. Uh, we're going to go somewhere Spanish speaking. I'm pushing South America really hard because I've spent seven months there. My wife would rather Spain, but Spain seems a bit too close. And I think we might give up and come back. Whereas I want to go to Colombia or Uruguay for seven or nine months. So that would be one uh, of what age? Six and nine. So when they're okay. six and nine, we already know. So Beth would be year five, whatever they're teaching her there, we could probably teach her Dylan ditto um but we might even put them into an international school i found one in montevideo uh, through a contact run by a scottish lady that sounds pretty good it's dual language so they it's half english half spanish but i think teaching them another language at that age will be unbelievable apparently it opens up another part of your brain imagine if all english kids had this other part of their brain opened up at six you know i mean this is amazing and this is not um typical behavior no, but apparently it's on the rise, isn't it? There's a lot of families taking their kids out to homeschool them for a year. No. Okay, um, I, I get that because you're never going to get that time back. I mean, I've been very lucky um, the last 12 or 13 years or so doing um, uh, having own business. You can drop the kids off at school. You can go to sports days. You can go to the nativity. You yeah. can go to these things. Yeah. And uh, I would say that the... Mums or dads that are on the sidelines for various events that go on, whatever they might be. And I mean, some of them are, um, quite honestly, the performance of the kids is pathetic. <laughs> it really is. 
<clears throat> quite pathetic. And I, I have taken some videos of kids who have hit the back of their head with the beanbag that they should be throwing, <laughs> uh, cricket balls that have scattered, you know, people, you know, kids not looking and what have you, all these things. However, when you look around the sidelines, it's always the same half dozen yeah. or ten parents. Yeah. And they're the ones that have been in the position to be able to say, I'm going to take this time out. Yeah, I, I helped out at Bethany School about a month ago. They had a maths thing. Uh, so some guy came in externally and uh, he was doing some maths, you know, hour. So they said, oh, any volunteers? I was like, yeah, go on. I love maths. I'll, I'll go in for that. It was absolutely knackering. So there was like eight kids at a time in a little group and I had to help them to pick up two leaves to make a, to make a sum of 10. So, you know, it'd be like a one and a nine and they had to pick them up and stick them on this piece of paper. Absolutely knackering, but Bethany and all their mates who I, I know every kid's name in her class, it's 30 of them, I know all their names, and they were like, Are you staying for the rest of the day, Bethany's daddy? And I was like, Oh no, I actually need to go. And yeah. Oh. yeah, and I help out, <laughs> I help out her rainbow sometimes. Um, I'm gonna help out at Sunday school like next year as well, um, that they go to in a little village. Um, but I just want to be doing this stuff, that's what I'd rather be spending my time doing. And is it then, uh, so you talk about the education route, you were fairly traditional as well, but you're now looking at, at different ways of doing things, uh, taking kids out for a year, uh, helping out. Is that, um, here's a question, if they got no GCSEs or whatever they are, how would you feel at that point? So Bethany tells me, because I ask her, Bethany, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to ride horses and bake cakes. There you go. Brilliant. I think, that, I think that's a TV show, isn't it? Essentially. But so we've got, she's had her first taster of a riding thing. She's been on a few horses. She's absolutely obsessed. You know, loves unicorns and all that. Same as all five, six-year-olds, um, girls anyway. Um, but yeah, she, you know, I can't really find a fault with that. If she can bake enough cakes or make enough of a profit or have other people baking the cakes for her, she can ride horses as much as she wants um, because she'll probably be able to afford to do it. And do you think that's one of the differences between someone who is thinking and uh, when, we're t when I was asking about the books, I remember reading a stat that said employed people read one or less than one book a year, yeah. whereas chief execs and people running businesses will read at least one a week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I can, you know, I can believe it, that. It, it's different. So when, when she's saying that, your brain is already thinking, ah, oh, there might be an opportunity here to do this, this and this, mm -hmm. whereas the vast majority of people are just going, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, probably, or, um, or well, you know, how, how are you going to pay your mortgage or whatever, you know, well, potentially she might not want a mortgage, she might she might want to travel the world baking cakes and riding horses and staying in um, short-term rentals, you know, for yeah. a month at a time. Also known as stables. Also known as stables, yeah, you know, she could just sleep on the head, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think, uh, I think at this age especially, it's just asking what they're interested in. Like Dylan wants to be a train driver, you know, there might not be a need for train drivers when he's 18. Um but he's interested in it. So there might be something else to do with trains that he finds really interesting. Well, there might not be in this country, yeah. but there might be elsewhere. True. And there's always uh, people that keep things preserved and want to, you know, hark back to distant days of, of different types of steam travel and, and what have that's, you. So there's true. always something there for that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, in, in terms of that the freedom that a business running your own thing gives you the ability to spend time uh, with your kids and what have you. Ultimately though, people are often asked the question, why do you start a business? You start a business with a reason mm -hmm. and that is often to sell it. 
Uh, yeah, so or grow it to a certain point and then move on. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I, I mean, I would. I think start with the exit in mind or whatever, isn't it? Yeah. Start with the end in mind or start with the exit for a business. But yeah, I would. I've, I've already identified companies who I think are not really tackling this area, this alternative investment area, in a way that's cost effective and is, is actually trying to educate people. I, I follow a few where you need to be constantly paying their annual feed to get access to their specific recommendations. Yeah. That's not teaching people that's making them pay for something basically it's making them pay for a recommendation service yeah um the aim with the gorilla investor stuff is whatever you find in these guides will teach you stuff you didn't know before you can apply that to anything probably um so it's just that it's within the whole alternative investment um sphere but what you're learning is stuff you weren't taught at school that you can use for whatever else it is you're interested in okay so i mean this is this is perfect so this is opening up another realm of education. Get yourself educated. Then you can decide what to do with it. If you decide to do nothing with it, there was no point doing the education because it's wasted. Uh, but it, you can do things with it. In terms of the business then, do you see a longevity of you being in this, it being a family business, your kids are going to take it over, their kids are going to take it over, dynasty of, of this particular mm-hmm. business or... What might it be? Yeah, so the first aim is to get my wife involved so she would be able to stop doing the work at the university if she chose to um, and she could help me out. There's there's things already I know that she can do. She's a great my, you know, office manager, administrator. She can make sure it all ticks along from an ops point of view. Um, it it kind of does need me at the moment, but there's no need why it would, there's no reason why it would always need me. Um, it's just it's stuff that I've invested in at the moment. But as the alternative investment world evolves, I could just get people in who know more than me to talk about so, these things. So the perfect thing is the business runs better without you than with you. That's always been is, the aim from the start. Exactly. The aim from the start is it won't always need me. It just needs me at the start to build it up a bit and to systemize yep. it, and then it doesn't need me. And then you've always got the option then of just letting it run yeah or just say okay i've had enough and, and yeah. sell on well one of the one of the aims of it is to have these live events and it could be that i go down the subscription model not really too sure if that's the right way um and instead just do a couple of live events a year i, I met this brilliant bloke at a networking thing an australian guy and he teaches people how to only ever fly business and first class and he does it so twice a year in australia and i think he probably makes about sounded like about 300 grand revenue a year it's just him who's created a curriculum and he teaches it stands up in front of people for three days twice a year is there a, is there a nugget gone and what's the what's the best way of getting it no no here? i've actually told him i'd got on really well with him i was with him for like three or four days in mexico at this international property thing and i said um i said if ever you want to bring that to london can i run it um it's it's brilliant i've never heard anything like it and it's really good but but he's he's a really interesting chap as well because he still has his um uh his he does what was it well he's a med he's a medic yeah that's it a medic in the australian navy i think so he, he messaged me on linkedin uh just like we got back for about a week and we chat chatted a bit he said anyway uh i'll be offline for about a month because i'm off to do my officer medic stuff speaking a month so, right. he, so he does this to fund that which is probably not as well paid yeah yeah um yeah, and he, he, you know, he's actually not a dad, but he's got a really clear plan. He wants to gain um, European residency, so he's spending a lot of time in Berlin at the moment. He's uh, looking at buying property overseas so he can have bolt holes around. Um, and yeah, he's, you know, sorry to dive a bit into him, but I just love, love the fact that he's had a really clear plan. And he, again, he didn't have to give up much of his time to generate the revenue. Uh, he could easily systemize that and franchise it or whatever as well. Um, yeah, and he just knows exactly how it fits into his overall life which is and 
And I'm guessing that, um, again, when you're talking and networking with people like this, like-minded people, you'll find that when you're in this position running your own thing, networking, you're the boss, you've got to make the decisions, you've got to get out there and, and generate the the revenue from the ideas that you've got and what have you. You do meet some amazing people. I can't get over it sometimes. No, uh, I mean, I do, um, as some of you all know, I, I, I do some coaching for social media and I, I talk to people there. And I, there's a times when I say, well, what is it you're trying to do? And what, what do you actually do? What, what do you spend your time doing? And I said, First of all, I didn't realize that was a thing. <laughs> Secondly, I didn't realize you could have a job in it. Yeah. Thirdly, I didn't realize you could make so much money at it. Mm. And it never ceases to amaze me. Um, you know, I think it's fascinating. And I, and I do think that um, when you are in a business, uh, one of the uh, things from it is you do think on a totally different wavelength. And you do tend to, or you seem to attract other people like-minded uh, who are doing some amazing things as well. And, I don't know, do employees do it? Um, do they network as much? I've got a few mates who are really, like, flying uh, in the, yeah, private, well, yeah, they're sort of flying in the private sector. Like, one of them, who screwed up at school, yeah. um, is a programme director for Boeing, I think, and he's been one at Rolls-Royce and Airbus as well. Okay. He's really smart, ace at networking. I've got a mate who also works for PA Consulting, which are a big um, consulting firm for the government. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he's excellent at it. Now, they're quite a high level. Uh, yeah, well, one's ex-military. The, the PA Consulting guy was a captain in the army as well. Um, but these are, all, these are like my mates from school. Like, we're all still... There's a group of about six of us who are still really good mates from school. And I think it's your... Well, it's the... the the usual thing you know the people that you surround yourself with um yeah so maybe they get something out of chatting to me about things i get stuff about by chatting to them about things um so i think it's who you surround yourself with and they could be your mates from primary school you know well they could be and so what what's one of the things that you're gonna are you going to encourage your kids to mix with certain people go into certain groups join certain things uh i'll I wouldn't say I'll push them. I'd rather they do what they want to do. We, we're gonna, we're gonna. I mean, let I, them try you, everything. I, I tell you what, I'm gonna bring um, one of mine over, and he can spend some time with you because you'll, you may change your tune on the. I'll let them do what they want to do. <laughs> but, I, but I think, but I think what we try and do is um, get them into stuff. So Bethany goes to Rainbow. She used to do ballet. She goes swimming. She just got bumped up in the class. She's just started trying horse riding. Dylan just started football down at Harrogate Town, like a little kickers thing. Um, he loves trains taking to the train museum a lot of the times on these Wednesdays um, and if, if they say they're interested in something we'll try and just get them out and do it yep. um, and then if they still like it brilliant they can carry on doing it and if they choose decide they don't really as long as there's something else that they want to be doing um, I think keep kids busy is yeah. a really good one at the yeah way. absolutely yeah that, that's great advice there um, okay the question that a lot of people always try and do and they, they're trying to juggle with this all the time is the work-life balance. Mm. So I'm going to say to you, here we go, is there such a thing as a work-life balance? Yeah, you have to work it out. As in, So you have to work out how much, I think it does come back to you, work out how much you need to bring in, work out how to bring that much in, and the rest is doing the stuff you want to be doing. Um, so for us, we, you know, I've always budgeted, always been really drilled into it. And it's not like I therefore have a you know, sort of mindset where I only ever want to bring in that much money. But... I know how much. I know roughly what that equates to with the different eight sources of income. Um, so then the rest of it is for what I want to do. So 
if I'm going to take Bethany swimming on a Thursday, I just need to make sure I'm not doing stuff on a Thursday. If I want to always have every Wednesday with Dylan, to be honest, I'd actually just tell people now, I'm like, by the way, you won't ever be able to get me on a Wednesday. Um, and just make people aware that they can't get me. I don't pick up the phone after six o'clock if someone's calling for work related, um, unless it's someone who I really like and I might text them. Um, but I've been, I was always like that. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, so if, if he doesn't answer the phone, but you get a text, uh, Stephen likes Yeah, it. I like it. If you don't get the text either. Until the next day. He, he's sending you a message. He's sending you a message. <laughs> depends, depends, how, <laughs> depends how urgent it is. Like, no, no, nothing's ever really urgent. But, but the thing is, I was like this at Standard & Poor's. So I was the only one who used to go to gigs and play football in the evenings. No one in our team used to do anything midweek in the evening because they were like, well, I, I always cancel on people. Whereas I would be the first there in the office. I, I used to walk a fifteen, uh, live a fifteen-minute walk away. So I'd be there at quarter past eight. Most people wouldn't roll in till half nine, ten, and at six o'clock I was out the door. Basically, mm-hmm. like my boss used to be, you know, thanks for coming, part timer, you know. And I'd be like, I'm just more efficient than you. Lot. See you later. And Do you think? Here we go. You were in the city. Is there? I mean, I remember years ago. Uh, so when I. Uh, the first job I got was as an accountant, so I trained as an accountant. Um, I remember some of my friends uh, worked at Arthur Anderson. Oh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> we used to laugh because uh, this guy used to wear mixed-up suits and stuff. And I said, oh, what's, what's going on? Why do you always wear stuff like this? He said, oh, well, there comes a point where um, if the boss is, if the partner's still there in the office, you couldn't leave or it was frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. So what they used to do was leave a jacket over the back of the chair and leave the computer on <laughs> so it looked like they were still brilliant, there. Brilliant. But obviously then the following day he's having to wear a different jacket with stuff and, and that was what they <laughs> did because it was expected of you but that was how to you stay. That's how you got promoted it. It was. S&P. So people who were sat at their desk got promoted. People who were seen to be at their desk got promoted and that, that was one of the reasons why I left. I was like, no. Like, just because I'm efficient, I'm not going to get promoted. Yeah, just because I can do this job in the seven hours that you actually employ me for, rather than three nonsense, hours of nonsense. messing about. But unfortunately, you, you get a lot of nonsense like that in the corporate world. There's, there's a lot of stupid reasons for stuff. Um, and yeah, my analytical, logical brain doesn't really compute things like that. Nor does it want to join in. No. no which is fair enough. Fair enough. If, you, uh, if your kids wanted to go into the corporate world, would you be happy? Uh, yeah, and I think, um, it, you know, obviously times might change by the time they're 18, 21 or whatever, but I think working in a big city is really good experience for people. I think um, I can't imagine having not worked at S&P and having not worked in London. Um, I'm not saying that it is the be all and end all. I just think I got, it's a life experience, it. I got it? quite a lot out of it. Okay. Um, and if your kids wanted to go into business? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, well... If it was something they wanted to do where I felt like I could really help them, obviously I'd be pretty chuffed because I'd feel like maybe I might be able to help them to not make certain mistakes I did. Um, but I just, whatever they want to do, I think um, I, I don't really care. As long as they do something that makes them happy, I really couldn't care less. You know, that's that's surely the aim. Yeah, certainly for Sally and I, our thoughts always been with their education is to leave as many doors open to them as possible. Uh, whichever one they choose to go through, great but what we didn't want to do was to give them a, a situation whereby there was only one door mm-hmm. and they didn't want to go through it yeah because that's that's pretty miserable so it's just been a case for us of okay let, let's try and give them as many options as possible yeah and i think um if you don't mind me bringing it back to gorilla investors and the eight streams of income that me and my wife have got that is literally what what the whole service is trying to do is here's other stuff you probably haven't heard of here's one place you could find out about it every month 
Um, what you do with that is up to you. You know, you might decide it's not for you, but you never know. One of them might really be for you. Yeah, yeah, quite. Because it's unlikely that you'll do everything, um, but doing something is a hell of a lot better than doing nothing. Exactly. And and the compound effect of this, everyone knows the compound effect. Uh, is it the eighth wonder of the world or something? Yeah, compound it definitely is. Uh, it, it can get to ridiculous levels um, surprisingly quickly with things like that. Okay, let me just have a look at, uh, here we go. Um, let's have a bit of advice from you. Uh, a bit of advice for anyone who um, is probably a dad who's thinking about going into business or you're just starting a business. What would be the advice about how to set things up or what to do? Yeah, so I think it's it's harder than I thought it was going to be. And I think there's a lot of good advice out there at the moment that you should probably start something while you're still employed. So I didn't. I quit and then started. Um, I was able to do that because I built up a decent buffer. Um, when I was working, I just used to squirrel money aside and not always tell my wife that I'd done it because I didn't want it to be spent. But, um, but I think that if you can build something up while you're still getting paid, um, then you can know if you can switch off your job and put more time to that if you have... Um, works out again works out your budget such that for example right so say you're having to pay a season ticket say you're down in, in the southeast at the moment spending five grand a year on your season ticket if you're working on the, on the home, train on the train, train sorry, season yeah. ticket yeah if, if you work from home you don't need to do that you might need you might be able to get rid of one of your cars as well um all the and actually i go into these sort of hacks and you know money saving things in one of my guides because for me and my wife working from home we don't have to buy lunch out every day we, we only stick 50 quid of petrol in the car a month. We only need one car. Um, we save money in so many different ways that people don't realise unless they are doing it and work and both working from home. Um, so I think it's if you're thinking of starting a new business, start it. Get something started um, with hopefully not too much, you know, um, spent in upfront costs. Uh, and then see how it gets on while you're doing your, your other job as well. And then if it's if it really takes off, then you can ditch the job. You see, I'm I'm in two minds over this because I've seen people who have tried to do that, and you can see that because there's that comfort level of the job, good point. They don't quite ever put enough effort into it. Whereas I see the other people, and normally it's not that they've chosen to leave, but they've been pushed or, mm-hmm. or the business has, has ended mm-hmm. for whatever reason or the industry's collapsed or whatever, and they've been thrust into a situation where it's like, geez, you know, where's the next money coming from? And suddenly that focus has, has pushed people. But there's always exceptions because you always get people who are incredibly dynamic, who can do a fantastic job as an employee and set a business up. And then you get the people who made redundant, who just sit there and, and say, the world owes me a living yeah. and sit there and wallow in pity. So, yeah, it, it is a tricky one because I think it also depends if you're a dad or not. Right. So if, so if you're in your early twenties or mid twenties, and you get made redundant, move back in with your parents and start something yourself. You know, that's what I'd recommend for them. But if you've got, a mortgage to pay and if you've got childcare to pay every month or whatever it is and you've got a significant amount of outgoings cover those off then quit yeah because otherwise you're just going to well you potentially get into a really bad situation without having to take out loads of credit cards just to fund your day-to-day existence and that's that's no fun for anyone but it's not sustainable is it um, and that really um, I, I think one of the things that uh, on the podcast we're trying to do is trying to get you to a position where you do not drive yourself uh, insane trying to juggle two of the hardest jobs in the world, um, being a dad and being in business, you know, make it easier. Don't make it harder. Yeah. So you're quite right. If you're going to start, cover off some of the basics. Mm-hmm. 
it gives you, you know, if if you if you're paying the normal bills, you know, and you can pay those easily, everything else seems an awful lot easier as well. Yeah, and actually, if you've built or you know, instead of maybe building up a business, if you've started some investments which are nice cash flowing investments as well, potentially they might cover off all your outgoings before too long. Potentially, so you might not be able to compound and reinvest, but it will, it, you know, it could fund your lifestyle if you needed to. Then yeah, definitely. Quit. Then also definitely quit your job. You'll be far happier. I mean, I, I don't think I know many people who haven't created time freedom and aren't way happier having got out of the corporate world. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of an obvious one, but I think some people get it. Is but I think some people don't realise how quickly time flies by because uh, it's amazing. Uh, I uh, my photos get uploaded to one of these drives and it, it keeps sort of popping up. Oh, on this day. Oh yeah. And you look back and you just, you look at, you know, your kids and you go, uh, with Matthew being 17 at the moment, you look back and you think, oh my word, mm. you know, that was 14 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's gone in the blink of an eye, folks. Mm. And my recommendation is always being in business and being a dad, the ability to, the reason that you're trying to do it is the ability to spend those moments, those crucial moments that only happen once, events at school, whatever it might be, you have the opportunity to take those. Couldn't agree more. And and so many people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they have the time and the money and all the rest of it, they sit back and the kids are gone. There you go. I know. And this is that's actually that's the the key the key thing really. So me and my wife sometimes we will just like look at each other and go, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And we we do that quite a lot, you know. And we we might not you know have some fancy car or you know massive house or anything, but we don't need either of those things. So. We'd rather just have our time and spend it with the kids. Yeah. Uh, I, I keep trying to tell them, I, I say to mind, you'll have heard it already, guys. Yeah, mind you, you won't listen to this anyway, so I'll tell you it again <laughs> anyway. Um, life is made up of memories. And if your memories are all the same, doing the same thing day in, day out, it just blurs into one and you don't have anything. Um, so good memories, bad memories. The bad ones where things go disastrously wrong and all the rest of it at the time were horrible tend to be the ones that you laugh about most. You learn the most from them as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, milkshake exploding. Uh, and I just remember laughing out loud in the restaurant uh, <laughs> and, and getting shouted out by everyone saying, how can you laugh at poor Oliver doing this? Because that was just great. Anyway, really yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, I, um, okay, let's just have a look because what I'd like to do is hit you with some quick fire questions okay. to, to wrap this up. Um, and uh, uh, here we go so I, I love these little questions because they put you on the spot out of 10 how would your kids rate you as a dad oh. and you well, can do them individually I do, I do get them to say is, is daddy the best daddy in the world and they, they say yes so well, they, they might give me is an 8 or a 9 but they're, they're young, but they're young. They, they are young they're impressionable and you were offering them a chocolate bar if you gave a if they gave a good rating probably is that it yeah um people that you work with how would they rate you all right uh honest so i sometimes used to not get on with senior management owners and people because i was too honest so that used to give me a lot of integrity with people i work with but sometimes it would piss off the people above no that's all right integrity i like that um your best quality uh yeah Honesty, loyalty, trustworthy. That's the, that stuff, like, if you say you're going to do something, just do it. If I say I'll do something, I'll do it. Um, and you won't hear me lying or anything like that. And it's just not in me. 
and uh, if I asked other people, would they probably say that? People have known me a long one. time, yeah. I mean, I'm, I've still got loads of mates from school and university and stuff, and they that's probably what they'd say. Lucky breaks. Have you had any lucky breaks that you think uh, of? Dodged death a few times travelling. Dodged death a few yeah, times? Yeah, my, my mate almost This is not going to be a quick answer, is well, it? No, no, no. But, I'll, but I'll, let's go there. The, let's the one, go there. The one I always think of is my mate. We were on the Great Barrier Reef, and we were just about to get back on the boat, and it had been really choppy, and... Um, and my mate dropped his mask in the water. He's like, oh, mate, can you just go down and get it for me? I was like, oh, bloody hell, all right. So I dove down to get it. And as I grabbed it, which it took a few seconds, the current had pushed me under the boat. And I was like halfway under this bloody boat. And I, was, you know, I didn't have a, an oxygen tank or anything. I was like just snorting. Holding your breath. Yeah. yeah. And so I went, you know, let out an expletive underwater. I was like, how am I going to get out of this? Tried to get back up to the boat and think. I thought that oh, I'll kick off the bottom and it'll push me back out. And it was all obviously you know slimy and everything. So literally, I got out with my last breath, chucked this mask away. Went you know you expletive. You almost killed me. He's like oh sorry mate, <laughs> you know like they do. But yeah, so my mate almost killed me on the boat. So there's a, there's a lucky break, I guess. That yeah. you know it wasn't your time for that. Um, do you believe in uh, lucky breaks? Uh, I think you make your own luck, stick yourself in enough good situations and good things are more likely to happen to you. There you go, I love it. Um, would you say yes or no to anyone considering joining as crazy people here in the dad business? So being a dad and being in business, yes or no? Definitely yes. Perfect. Um, what was the last time you made your kids laugh? All right. Uh, probably playing the crazy game this morning. the crazy game oh yeah so who can be the craziest on any particular day okay so every day is the crazy game and we try and work out who's been the craziest and won the crazy game and so, who and what was your craziness today uh, did I did I give him one oh, did morning? you win I don't think I've won yet but now you've reminded me I've got to win later so I'll make sure I win by the end of the today there you go so the crazy game is a good one crazy game is a great one and how do you want your kids to remember you ah uh, how do I want them to remember fun yeah, fun. It's all, you know, if you're not having fun, what the hell are you doing here, basically? On that note, what a great way to end. Stephen, thank you so much for being here on The Dad Business. Cheers, Nigel. Okay, join us next time on The Dad Business when we'll be finding out more about uh, what's influenced dads, what's made us go into business, how we survive, some of the life, you know, hacks that you, are out there, some of the things to make it all so much you know, worthwhile to the nth degree. Life is made of memories. Uh, go out there and create those memories. So until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.